Thanks for tuning in to this bonus episode of Rocketship.fm. It's part of our antitrust series. We've done a lot of interviews here, but this one was uh, especially interesting for the time. It was uh, with Asher Lozado, who is running for the mayor of Los Angeles. And it was interesting to see a forward-looking campaign or what the campaign of tomorrow could look like. Now, this is not an endorsement of Asher or his campaign. We don't necessarily agree with everything that's discussed here, but we're putting it out there um, so that you can listen and you can make your own decision um, about, is this a future that you would want? Um, and is this how you want your mayor to sound? Because it's possible that we'll have more and more candidates taking up a platform uh, like this one. So for your listening pleasure, here is my full interview with Asher Lozada. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play. Rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Yeah, Asher Lozado. I'm running for mayor of Los Angeles 2022. Amazing. Um, so tell me why you and why now? Um, why is this what Los Angeles needs? I think we've finally reached a place in our political history where innovation is, is not just needed, but um, um, desired. Mm. Um, and... F- Most people that I talk to now legitimately believe that we need an option outside of the the two poles. And I'm here to be that option. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we, we focus on technology here on the show. And I'd be curious, what does your candidacy mean to the, the tech industry there in Los Angeles? 
Well, I think beyond being supportive, mm-hmm. um, I think we as a government will embrace technology uh, as a means of doing justice. Um, I think we've reached a place politically where our inability to implement technology-based solutions is causing harm. Um, And harm can manifest many ways. And one of the ways is waste. Uh, The amount of resources, time, and energy we spend on paperwork and bureaucracy that can be easily um, made into technology um, is a shame because those resources could be allocated towards real impact, direct impact. And so we, we can't just look at this as a, um, uh, a technology or it has to be a technology plus government. Mm-hmm. It's, um, technology is going to take on all the bureaucratic roles that government used to serve and allow people who formerly were bureaucrats to, to, um, reorient themselves towards direct impact and service. So. Amazing. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the cryptocurrency development. Um, it's very pertinent to a lot of the the topics that we're talking about today. Um, what would this look like, this Angelus coin? So we're actually doing a, a, a coin for our campaign okay. that will um, mirror what we intend to do in government. And so we're right now building a cryptocurrency called the Common Ground Coin. It's being developed by a, a team that's, that's very capable of producing something uh, impactful. Um, and we'll release that over the next few weeks. And uh, that coin will effectively serve as a campaign finance and service tool, meaning um, we will give coin to people for serving food to the homeless, picking up trash, joining our community walks, volunteering in the campaign, um, assisting the community in whatever ways they might want to assist the community. Um, and in ultimately raising awareness for our campaign. So people who uh, want to join the podcast, will give them crypto. Uh, people who um, do anything for the campaign or for the community will be able to earn crypto. And uh, we will also bring in people who are willing to accept the crypto mm. for services that they're able to contribute. So for example, um, people who, uh, uh, we, we just talked to somebody on Sunday that's a therapist and she said, Hey, look, I'll, I'll accept your crypto for, for therapy. I mean, if that's a way that I can contribute to the community and the campaign, I'll do it. So if somebody, you know, spends three days picking up trash and they earn enough crypto, I'll take that crypto and serve them. And so we're going to create an ecosystem here in the campaign itself where we incentivize service and build value around a coin that builds value in the community. That's fascinating. Um, And part of the proposal, you mentioned UBI, um, which is something that we've talked a lot about in, in the context of the Angelus coin, right? How would you see a localized UBI working um, in Los Angeles? Well, I think UBI is a really, really interesting concept. A lot of people are thinking about it. Um, The way that I'm thinking about UBI is um, 
a targeted crypto payment that um, basically can have some restrictions around it so that the the money ends up staying in the local economy. So it's one thing to give somebody $2,000 a month and have them spend it on whatever. Mm-hmm. But if that money ends up getting spent only on Amazon, Target, and FedEx, then it's not ultimately going back into the community it was intended to serve. And so um, I think we saw this, frankly, with with the, the COVID checks, where people got checks from the federal government, but then all of the local businesses were closed. And so the only places to spend that money were in the multinational corporations whose stocks increased exponentially through through the pandemic while local businesses closed or struggled through it and so we had this wealth disparity increasing at a time when people could have easily supported their local economies so I think we can use UBI to build back local economies and say, okay, we're going to give you $2,000 a month. You can spend it on rent, food, clothing, whatever you want. But we also are going to restrict some of the other things to local businesses. So if you're going to buy food, we want it to be bought from a local grocer. I mean, right. you know, you're going to get some pushback, obviously, from, from big corporations, of course. Yeah. But at some point, we have to ask, what is our money for? Is it to support corporations or is it to support community? And don't corporations have enough? At what point can we say you have enough business? We now need to build back a local economy or none of us will have an economy to look forward to. Um, So for me, UBI is an amazing opportunity to build back local strength. Um, and, uh, And we can talk about the different ways of doing that, but, but, I think it's possible. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Yeah, I'd be curious, is part of it the elimination of this bureaucratic over overhead, right? The, these inflated costs that the government incurs um, that enables a payment like this? Or is there there other ways that you, you look at funding it? Yeah, I think bureaucracy is is doing more harm now than good. Um, obviously, government employs a lot of people. And so I, it's not to say I don't value the people who tend to serve in bureaucratic roles. I just think as a society, we have to accept the fact that um, we have limited resources and we have to make those resources go further now. Um, especially with debt levels where they are. And so um, let's retrain people, reorient them. And it doesn't have to happen overnight. I think a lot of the the public unions are, are terrified of, of losing government jobs and bureaucracy because that's, that's a huge part of our employed population. Yeah. Um, but I think that there is a deal to be made. And I think it's one that has to be made. Um, And uh, it's going to take somebody from the outside to make it, frankly, because uh, the politicians who are within the existing system uh, tend to be a bit captured by the unions. And I don't blame them. I mean, it's who support their their campaigns with money, time and resources. Um, But we need somebody from the outside and to, to, to call a spade a spade and say, look, 
got to get rid of these jobs. Technology is perfect at, at bureaucracy. This is exactly what it's for. It's an amazing tool. And so now we're going to retrain people to feed the homeless, help house the homeless, provide mental services and uh, infrastructure, urban farming, green space, park rangers. I mean, there's so much that we need to do beyond filling out papers, filing, mm. recording, taking right. calls, etc. cetera, right? Um, so, um, so, yeah. Interesting, interesting. I wanted to talk also um, about the free education uh, initiative that, you, that you're putting forward. Um, what does decentralized education mean um, to a citizen um, of the city? Yeah, um, it's more decentralized education mm -hmm. than uh, education is already technically free. Um, okay. uh, but, but to decentralize education is to say our education system has failed. And I think the first step in recovery is always acknowledgement that we have a problem. And um, so many of, of our political leaders are not acknowledging that our public education system has failed. Um, it's failed the teachers who aren't paid enough. It's failed the students who haven't learned enough. It's failed the families who can't afford to, uh, to pay for childcare or food. And so they rely on schools to feed their kids and take care of them. And, um, and, and there's a much better way. Um, and so giving choice to families, I think will actually create a free market that can benefit everybody. So uh, the state pays about 20 to $25,000 per student um, to educate them here in, in California. And, that, and, and that's increasing, um, especially as, as costs and inflation increase. Um, so if you just said to a family, you got $25,000. You figure out education. As long as it's a, you know, a registered educator or program or whatever, we'll fund it. Then you create an entire new market for education where teachers can make more money because so much of, of the education system, so much of the cost is actually, in the, again, the bureaucracy of education. The people who sit between the educators and the educated. Mm -hmm. um, the facilities, the upkeep, the electricity, et cetera, et cetera. So we can create an entire new market for education where, where teachers say, you know what, I'm going to start my own business. And I'm now going to rent out a little storefront on a boulevard where, where the retail business went out. So it can be great for, for local real estate. And I'm going to set up a, a little classroom here and I'm going to teach U.S. history in this classroom. And anybody in this neighborhood can book my class for $100 per student per semester. I'm just picking numbers, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe you get 50 students. So that's $5,000, right? And, and um, not per semester, per, per month. Um, mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, that, that person could make $60,000 uh, over the course of a year educating on U.S. history. People in the neighborhood can walk to that classroom rather than everybody in the city taking big buses to one major sort of hub that mm -hmm. creates traffic and congestion and is bad for the environment and takes time and energy and resources. 
and everything becomes walkable. Everything becomes community-based. Families can get to know each other because they're walking to the, the classroom rather than, than putting their kids on a bus to it. And it actually empowers people to build their own businesses. So if you have success, if, if you have a great teacher and more and more people join, that teacher can rent a bigger classroom and it can, he or she can educate more students. And then that teacher can also create a market for themselves for, for, for post-class uh, tutoring. And um, it, it, it decentralizes education in a way that, that really makes for a free market. And um, with the amount that we spend on education, which I think is the most, I, I believe it's the most in the country, it might be just behind New York, um, we should be getting a lot more success. And technology can be a part of it uh, and, and should be a part of it. Um, and, uh, and so there, there's a whole new world that, that beckons and we just have to, to elect political leaders who are willing to, to stand up and say, yes, this is what we're doing now. Interesting. What about, um, your personal experiences have led you to these conclusions? Uh, you mean with respect to education itself or just yeah. generally? Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I'd be curious if, you know, you going through the education system or something uh, along those lines has led you to, um, to believe that this is the future. Um, I think, so I went to private school. I started in public school. Okay. Um, and, um, I think my parents recognized, uh, and, that, that there was an opportunity for me to go to private school and we could afford it, thankfully. Um, and that it was, it was worth the cost and, um, it absolutely was. Um, and, uh, my education has been amazing. Uh, I went to Harvard Westlake, uh, I went to UCLA for undergrad and then went to university of Chicago law school for law school. Um, and, um, those opportunities really opened up um, because education is a backward looking thing. What have you done in the past to make you um, uh, capable of succeeding here, right? So it, it, it starts at the beginning. Um, and unfortunately in a big city like Los Angeles, it, it's increasingly competitive. Um, and so you got a lot of people computing, competing for very few spaces in, in the best institutions. And so for me, it's, I believe in free markets. Um, I believe that uh, um, if, if you allow them to, to, to really be free, um, you're gonna have innovation. And I believe in innovation as a, as a source of, of evolution. And so the more that we open up education to free markets, um, I think we'll see all kinds of new forms of education, teachers, students, um, students who don't do well in traditional systems will find themselves accepted and valued in, in new kinds of systems, even if smaller, even if more niche. Um, we know it. I mean, I've, I've looked at the data. We've all, we all kind of understand at this point where the education systems are failing. Yeah. Um, and, and they're toxic, they're becoming more and more toxic now and political. So it's becoming right. more difficult to, to, um, to progress education in, in these systems because every, every change is, is fought tooth and nail, um, on, on political lines. So, um, yeah. it's more a markets thing than anything. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Um, 
I wanted to touch lastly on um, some of your your art, arts and culture uh, initiatives. Why is this? Um, why are are the arts and and culture important um, to you and and a part of your platform? I think we're we're breaching a stage in in human history that is post production, mm. meaning. Um, we now have systems and machines that can produce the things that we need. And, uh, and we have systems that are getting close to producing even housing that we need. So prefab, modular, 3D printing, um, they're at our doorstep. And so we can't pretend like, um, like an economy will be based on manufacturing and production in the ways that, that it used to be. Um, and we're seeing, we're seeing this happen really fast. I think, especially through COVID with the metaverse and with blockchain and, and crypto and NFTs. And I mean, the, the, the world is moving into this digital space and I think it's a collective consciousness thing too. I think it's an intelligence that understands we can't, the economy can't be based on physical consumption anymore. Um, mm. You know, we, we don't have enough physical resources globally to produce the kind of, of lives that, that we might think, um, you know, our, our grandparents might have thought would have been worth living um, with a bunch of stuff and books and furniture and lights and stuff. Um, and so we need to get more comfortable with less stuff and with more expression. And I think that's a, a beautiful journey for humanity to come through is, is we're now reaching a place of philosophy, spirituality, um, experience, expression, art, music. Um, that renaissance is waiting for us. Whether we get there or not, I think, is, is, is a function of our political systems, frankly, uh, being open to it um, and not trying to consistently return to something in the past. You know, build back better. Um, why not build forward better, right? Make America great again. Trying constantly pointing the arrow backward, like there was something better behind us than than, than in front of us. And um, I think young people are very attuned to this. I think um, one one of the major issues it, we we talk about in our campaign is the average voter in Los Angeles is fifty nine years old. Only eight percent of people under thirty five are voting. So mm. it's no wonder that we have the political leadership we have right. with the political values that we have. Um, so for me, it, it's really about reorienting young people towards politics in a way that's inspiring, that shows them a renaissance ahead, not destruction ahead. And of course, we have crises, absolutely. But it's actually leaning into the renaissance that will help address the crises. Um, and, uh, and so it's a long-winded answer in, in response to your question about arts and culture, but I, but I think that those will be the basis of a future economy. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, so for, for people that are excited uh, by your campaign, whether they live in Los Angeles or not, um, how can they get involved um, and, and what would you ask of them? Um, number one is spread the word. Um, um, the best thing that, that 
people can do for us right now is is that because uh, we're not going to necessarily be covered by traditional media and and uh you know we've been lucky to 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 be invited to podcasts like yours and others and um that's going to be our way through is is reaching um young people people who want something different where they're at not where we want them to be um so i think in that way um you know the more people that i can speak to the better um and um and also um just just sharing i th- i think um sharing a vision for what we're trying to do here and and contributing to that so don't rely on me to 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 lead this whole thing don't don't ask that of me i don't i don't want to be that i want to be um a bridge to something better but i am not the something better so i'm not a mm. I, i'm not a demagogue here i'm not a an idol to 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 hope that this person will will take us to the promised land right i'm i am just a bridge and so in that in in that way i ask that anybody interested in this campaign contribute and we have an amazing campaign team um and they've contributed so many cool ideas that we've implemented including cryptocurrency okay. um that was something i was interested in but it was one of our campaign team members that brought on a a crypto team and said hey look we should do this and i said absolutely this is a decentralized campaign this is a campaign that values the contributions of every single person on this campaign team and um i might be a a voice or a face for it but at the end of the day it's all of us and we're all here together and uh, we don't know exactly where we're going but we know we're going somewhere better and so um you know just just join have fun come on community walks we do community walks every week we pick up trash we talk to people in the community uh we're we're going on podcasts uh you know we invite artists we invite musicians to contribute to the campaign contribute basically contribute your creativity contribute your ideas um because it's all of us this is for all of us um and uh i don't ask anything more you know obviously if you if you can contribute a little bit um in terms of money great but 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 i really believe um this is a this is a post finance campaign um we're we're reaching a world where social and and cultural capital are worth far more than than um um financial capital um and so i'm leaning into that and um uh, i trust that that powerful voices are are going to be worth a lot more than powerful uh, money Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of rocketship.fm special bonus episode. We'll be back on Thursday with another installment from our antitrust series. Um so we'll see you then. Have a great week. Take care. <laughs>